Dynasty Think Tank. I'm Chad Parsons. He's Jordan McNamara. We share our research, experience, and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. We got uh, the news fairy here on Tuesday dropping the bomb that we had hoped would not go off, which is a significant knee injury to TJ Hawkinson. So this is really a, a gut punch to the, the massive season he was having, continuing that momentum since being traded to Minnesota and going out on the hit that, you know, you can just see it in your head that you don't want any of your skill position players to take. Well, he took it and the late injury. I mean, yes, we enjoyed TJ Hawkinson for this far into the season, but now when you get late, it gets early for 2024 and it's probably going to affect his early season. It might affect when he's actually back playing. So there's a wide range of outcomes on what even contribution he makes in 2024. He's going to be a watch player for, you know, uplist, how is he, how is he trending in July, August, but at a minimum, we've got some competitors at the tight end position, some youngsters, we've got some old guard. Um, and this makes it for an interesting tight end landscape at a minimum, because now we have the wrench of TJ Hawkinson's injury as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a devastating injury. So huge bummer. Yeah, he's a guy that I think is the situation's really good. I'm not sure he's like an elite player, but he's very good in a very good system. And that's, extremely good for fantasy, right? So I think that's kind of the takeaway there with him. We've talked about him a lot. Um, this is absolutely a disappointment that you understand two things about at the NFL just from this injury. One, you understand why guys like quote fake holdouts, right? And, you know, I think he had an ear infection that went on for like weeks, right? In training camp. And then he got his contract extension before the season. And now he's got money locked in, right? So that's, you understand that. The other thing you understand is why guys leap tacklers, Right, because you don't want to take these tight ends. Don't want to take these these shots to the legs. Smaller guys go right at you, you know, in the, yeah. the quad and below. And yeah. you know, it, you know, we see sometimes they get they they get taken, you know, with that that low shot when they don't get up high enough with the with the hurdle. But again, like you said, I think a lot of people, a lot of players, would rather be taken high than low. And Look at Gronk, right? I mean, how many yeah. low shots did Gronk take? That's a yeah. good example. No one yeah. wants to mess with that up high, right? And and the thing too is like when. Yeah, at least I'm no ACL doctor, but at least when you get your foot off the ground and if someone then gets you and then hits you, you're less, le it's not pinned, right? You're not, you're not stuck and in the ground. So even if you do get missile. up in the air and you get, you get clipped, you're, you're yeah. moving, you're trying to probably throttle down and you're gauging the speed of the defender. How fast are they coming at you? Can mm -hmm. you get your feet up? Can you leap them? You know, what do you, what's your move going to be? I mean, it really is uh mental as well as physical acumen and skill and timing and all of that. And, it's amazing. We honestly, we don't see more of these. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it shows how good they are and how familiar they are with this tracking and this play sequence. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest thing, like you kind of, you know, one thing we've talked about is Hawkinson is, has not been an elite efficiency guy, you mm -hmm. know, and he's not in that air, but he has been over the last season and a half, especially the aggregator, you know, and someone that now Minnesota's doubled down with the new contract um, and a central element there, and he's done it with. Jefferson in the lineup without uh, Addison has been added. Uh, the quarterback situation might be the biggest variable of if Kirk Cousins is there uh, just because you need a strong quarterback to supply production and no offense to Hawkinson, but Jefferson's probably going to win. <laughs> so right. Jefferson probably wins and it's Hawkinson versus Addison more than either of those two versus Jefferson. Um, and so 
I think it brings up an, a, an important, not important, but I mean, an important span of time here where Hawkinson, you know, versus, you know, Sam Laporta versus does Kyle Pitts get a new quarterback, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey at 34, 35 years old. How much are you eroding him from this year to next year? Was he playing compromised the ent- entire way? Is he going to be one that makes you look silly if you put him at tight end six or seven or, or pass on him three times in a, a tight end premium startup draft or whatever? Um, so I think these are, you know, Dalton Kincaid coming off a down game and we, we've seen the splits with Dawson Knox, you know, being in or out. So all these players are are ones that they're jostling for position now. And Hawkinson with the injury kind of brings these things more into play, even if you had Hawkinson say over them or in the same tier, but above them. Yeah. And I think just the depth of the tight end position, I it's just a general idea it is, is much, um, is, it's just much deeper. Uh, you know, especially that tier from like you know, outside of the top two or three or four guys or whatever, like that five through 15 range, I think is just generally better than it has been. And I'll just give you one, one factoid on that. Uh, so going back to 2020, we could go back further, but this will give you an idea. There's been um, uh, in, in 2020, there was two in 2021, there was two uh, last year. There was only one of guys of tight ends that have caught 90 passes and of the five, uh, sorry, of the six seasons that have done it over the past three years, three of them have been Travis Kelsey, right? So, um, I'm actually, I'm sorry, uh, of the five seasons that have happened in the last three years, three of them have been Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews in 2021 is the only other one. And Darren Waller, uh, Darren Waller and Mark Andrews, 2021 Andrews, 2020 Waller are the only other guys outside of Kelsey to do it. Hawkinson at 95, Evan Ingram at 98 catches this year. So you already have guys that are, you know, you have, you've already sort of smashed that, that threshold with three guys. You know, Hawkinson's not going to have any more. You'll get Ingram might lead the league, might lead the um, position in, in receptions this year. It's a pretty strong bet at this point. Uh, and, and then you just, I think that's, a good representation of where the position is as a whole, right? You have guys like Joku, you've got that sort of te- that Evan Ingram, Joku, uh, you know, uh, age range of the position has really kind of fleshed out a little bit more to the, to producing at a higher range. You're getting the backfill of guys like Laporta, like McBride, uh, uh, Kamat, uh, uh, Kincaid, right? Uh, Jake Ferguson, all those guys that I just mentioned, uh, Laporta, uh, McBride, Kamat, Kincaid, uh, Jake Ferguson, all under 25 years old. Right? So you're getting uh, some backfill at the tight end position. The thing I mentioned to you before the show, in these premium formats that we play, trading between tight end this year is going to be great, right? Because you spe- people spend all summer talking about, oh, this tight end's the next breakout one, this one's the next breakout one. Like, yeah, if, if they get to double digit points, right? If they get in the 12, 13, 14 range, like that's really, really good. But the, there's a bunch of guys that are sort of in that range right now. And if you can trade between them, and just kind of arb that that position. That's probably the thing that I'm going to start off the offseason doing is just arbing between those guys and, and and not picking a lot of favorites, just taking whatever tax I can get in those trades. Like that's going to be probably the biggest thing that we can do. I think kind of be ahead of the market in terms of how flat that position is with the with the growing backfill of of younger guys. Yeah, I just want to see how much of the Mark Andrews discount is there. Let's I'm going to hunt that thing down because it it seems like everyone's talking about everybody else and Andrews because he wasn't tight end one overall this year because he's a little bit older, still well in his prime. You got these youngsters flashing out. And I think January through 
through at least May, it's going to be forget about Mark Andrews season because he's old news. But like yep. you just said, it's been Kelsey. And who's the number two on that list that you just named? Mark Andrews. So, Correct. And you know what? George Kittle, the more I watch him, these games, like when he puts up like 90 yards in like a quarter and a half, it's pretty silliness. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how good he is. And I just wonder about the, like, does he go down? He's not on this threshold, but is he going to burn out just a little quicker? Uh, mm-hmm. Like on the Gronkowski threshold? I haven't really seen it yet, but I could see over the course of, say, 24 months, it goes from, man, he is definitely moving down from his prime and he's a fraction of what he was. Still probably going to be a high functioning player, but I think once you see that erosion, he could, uh, you know, just navigate quicker through that process than some of the, you know, than Kelsey would or mm-hmm. uh, we saw Witten or Gonzalez or Gates or any of these options that that fared a little better as they went through their 30s. It's funny because I had Kittle and I was down 68 points in the league and I had, uh, it's a two PPR for tight ends. Uh, I had McCaffrey and I had Kittle. And I said, honestly, I don't think, you know, I'd, I'd probably take Kelsey over Kittle. But if I had to pick two guys to to try and cover that number, like those are as good of a bet in that format to try because Kittle's capable of that just crazy, you know, uh, that, that sort of crazy performance. I was within shouting distance. I didn't get there, but I got a lot closer than I think I thought I was going to get. Um, and, you know, he came up with another big one, especially with the start on the first drive. I was like, oh, boy, we could have a Kittle night. And then it kind of tapered. Well, out it was 200 bit. yarder, two yeah. touchdown kind of nights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Kittle transitions to our other player uh, of, of high import, which is it feels like Brock Purdy week, uh, you know, that he was the favorite to be the MVP. Four interceptions later, a San Francisco loss and a late game injury to Brock Purdy. Probably not going to affect his status. Um, But uh, the point is, this game against the Ravens did not go as planned for the 49ers, for Brock Purdy. And now we get the groundswell. It seems like it's anytime Brock Purdy doesn't do something perfectly. Uh, He has zero margin for error. And the pitchforks come out. um, the, the, The torches come out. And it is time to rip him down. He is a quote unquote system quarterback. He's no good. Uh, they should replace him. Sam Donald's better. Um, and these are all things that I really just went on Twitter to find out Brock Purdy's injury and what was going on. You know, was that something that was going to carry over? You don't quite see it in the condensed version that I watched. So um, I didn't find any of that, Jordan. I found all the things I just said instead. You know, this is a classic one for Dynasty because I think if you if you look at the number and you look at the box score and you're like, oh, wow, that didn't turn out well. Um, and he comes out with negative points, right? And you could have gone into a game being down by five against Brock Purdy and have won, right? Like, and depending on what your format is, like that would have been impossible to think would have happened, but it happened. Um, you know, so all those things, and again, it happens in an island game. It happens in the playoffs, so it impacts that, you know, everyone kind of thinks of it. It's the primacy effect of it. Uh, but if you take a step back and kind of look at the game, I think one of the interceptions was bad. Maybe two of them were bad. A couple of them were tip balls, right? Um, that were were unlucky. When you when you actually dial down the number, he's had two other games this year where he's had multiple interceptions. He's had he's had uh, uh, four games that he had a higher turnover play rate than this one, right? So he does throw four picks in this game, but he's had uh, in week one he had a, a five point nine percent turnover play rate. Uh, week seven, it was 6.1 uh, in week uh, six against Cleveland. But actually, that stretch was a pretty bad stretch for him. Uh, in week six, it was um, uh, 8.3. And then in week eight, it was 9.8. So that was actually the rough stretch of his season was that six, seven, and eight uh, matchup against some some tougher defenses there. Uh, and the numbers didn't 
you know, the numbers didn't look great during that stretch, but he kind of bounced back and has been playing at a, at a really, really high level since then. Um, you know, I, this doesn't change at all how I think about Brock, about Brock Purdy, right? Like, well, I, it's dynasty, not redraft or some parallel universe where you're like rooting for or against certain players for right. non analysis reasons. I mean, right. like you just mentioned, like people want to talk about this one game. What did he do for five, six weeks before this game? He was tearing things apart. And it doesn't change anything of my biggest argument is what avenues realistically do the 49ers have to overtly replace him with a better option? Whatever you think a better option is this offseason. Late dra- late draft pick? Probably not. Uh, a lot of cap to go after insert name here that's going to cost a fortune comparatively to what the 49ers have to spend on the position to continue their quality team build around Brock Purdy, who is certainly good enough. No. So what bucket are they shopping in that is going to be better than getting a retread like Sam Darnold? I mean, I guess if you get some sort of Baker Mayfield type outcome from a left for dead on the side of the road type player that Tampa Bay was fortunate enough to scrub that up and he might be looking at as a 2024 starter. I still don't even know if that ends up being a player like that wins the job over Brock Purdy by week one. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think you can, I'm going to say this negatively, but it's not a negative. I think the 49ers are stuck with Brock Purdy for now. And that's a good thing because they're good enough to, as long as he's healthy, I, I'm more worried about the offensive line and Trent Williams and some of the other things going on, as opposed to Brock Purdy throwing four picks in a game and four were on him. I, I think one was on him and three mm-hmm. it was an oblong ball, a ball bounce that could have happened to any quarterback right. and you want to flame throw it. But I, I think back to interceptions and turnovers and what was it? Four, six weeks into the season, everyone wanted the head of Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. So I just, this happens and I don't know. And it has to be pretty graphic. And I still wonder if he was a first round pick, would we be doing all this? And it's really sad that it goes down. We've said it before. So I'm I'm almost kind of tired of talking about Brock Purdy in a few ways because we haven't really seen the dynasty market reflect this yet. In like a, like if he has a tragic ending to the playoffs, three, four interceptions, looks overwhelmed, some defense just throttles him. And all these questions come up. I mean, do you think he falls to like QB 18, 20 in dynasty? I don't. I don't think so. Where he is now. Yeah. See, so like, there's not really, what are we doing here? What are we talking about? It's like the money ball thing. What are we talking about? Right. Right. Nothing. It's just a good reminder of of how to play dynasty. Cause like over the past, since he had a rough stretch right before their buy, and then uh, they have a week nine buy. And between weeks 10 and 15, he had two total turnover-worthy plays. He had two in week 16. Right. So like, again, uh, just it's a, uh, the NFL season's a wave pool of variance, Right. And I think well, you we have talked to be... about it before, like touchdown interception ratio is not the best way to look at this because there's so many easy touchdowns and there's so many hard luck interceptions. Correct. And there's so many, the number of times I chart like dropped interception should have been an interception. Like there's so many games. I don't think people understand that don't watch all these games. How many times a quarterback could throw three or four picks in a game and they throw one. Correct. How many yeah. times that the ball is completely in harm's way or dropped or it's tipped straight up in the air and it falls to nobody. It right. happens a lot. And that just shows, I mean, if all those are caught, look at Mahomes, right? He had two turnovers return for a touchdown in two plays game over based <laughs> on their offense game over. And it's right. just Mar- I, I, There was some crazy stuff coming out of that game, but it just shows the variance of what can happen in a very short, as you said, short sample size there. 
But I mean, we've said it before, but Brock Purdy long game. I mean, he's on, he's closer to a Tom Brady trajectory than he is like not being the week one starter in, in, in next season. Yeah. I, 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 I think the Brock that. Purdy, what, what contract do you offer him if he stays on the same trajectory through the, the rest of this year and next season, that's a more fascinating discussion than any of these other things. Right. Right. Yeah. And Baker's similar to that. Like what's the Baker contract look like? Cause I'm, I'm super interested. You know what, you I, know. You know what I settled on? I, I actually already recorded a show on it. I, I, I settled on this. Like I was talking about those, you know, mid range, uh, you know, the, the three-year contract, that's really a two-year construction. I decided on this. I would just, I would do the franchise tag. I think he's the perfect use of a sure. franchise tag because I would love to be wrong. I would love for him to throw it right in my face and have it as good or better season next year and be like, where's my money? I would love to have that conversation in 12 months because the odds are probably he doesn't do that. And then you you have nothing on the hook. You can just walk away. Heck, you can draft a mid-round wide uh mid-round quarterback this year. And and say, you know, someone that can learn, maybe someone that can be the starter in 2025 or even in 2024 if things don't go well. So, but yeah, I think the you get I I think if you do the 3 year and somewhere between like 70 and 100 million is probably not the greatest idea because it's still going to be multi-year allegiance. Yeah. Yeah. It, I would like, do the what, tag. I would it, do the tag. Be, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like, is the Geno Smith deal acceptable to everybody? Right. Like right. that three for 75, basically. You know, I think he had like some incentives to get up to 90, which were like extremely hard to hit, uh, was kind of how it was was phrased. I don't remember the exact specifics, but like you get that idea. Like and it's funny from an NFL team perspective, I actually put this out on Twitter. Would you rather pay, you know, Trevor Lawrence 45 a year or 50 a year? Or would you rather pay Baker Mayfield 25 a year? I think I'd much rather pay Baker 25 a year than than pay Lawrence that number. Right. So um, and again, it's I think your your position is right. Like he's the candidate because he's it's very it's he's a highly variant player from year to year. Right? Like that's been his entire career. Baker. So, you know, do you pay him, do you pay him high? Like that's a, that's a tough thing to do. It's one, it's one data point and it's trending the opposite of this, but how can you possibly have Sam Howell over Baker Mayfield? You can't. Right. Like Baker Mayfield this year might have more starts than Sam Howell does in his career. Right. (laughs) And and that's the third quarterback uh, to bring up here in the big three, which is Sam Howell going from, again, box stuffing Maven early this season to devolving all the way to bench two weeks in a row, completing what, like 30% of his passes in a league that's designed to get you 60, like just showing up um, there. And I mean, this took a turn. Like it it happened rapidly over the course (laughs) of like two months. It turned from he's throwing the most passes in the NFL. This is really exciting and fun. and, And Washington was like lively to them dumping two of their best defensive players and Sam Howell now being in the woods where you look at him and you go, well, this is a day three guy that is devolving into a classic YOLO backup quarterback. If he chooses to embrace that over the next few years is like his future. Yeah. It's, you know, and this is the, this is the thing that you get with, with players with low pedigree, like he's low pedigree for a reason. Right. And I think like you, you kind of look at these things and like, you don't take, you know, we, we talked about this and I think it was a premium show, you know, a few weeks ago talking about like, how much do we believe? 
he's probably going to have a different head coach. He's probably going to have a different uh, front office. Uh, he has new ownership. And you know what new ownership likes to do? They like to get a new quarterback, right? And Well, uh, them losing games is certainly not helping his cause either because they are he has not ever so close to the top. Yeah, Right, and he's like the reverse Kenny Pickett, where Kenny Pickett has done the, <laughs> like, I can play okay. just well enough to keep my team in the middle of the round and keep my keep my job and you know that's the that's that's basically what i'm 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 kind of that's my job security essentially uh, i know but, this won't surprise you but his pressure to sack in the nfl still a problem it was a problem in college it's a problem in the nfl now he takes forever to throw the ball um again he just he's a he's a, a running gunning guy that will make some big play extensions and Again, you can get away with that. There are ways to make that profile work. But when you were falling in the draft, when you have no pedigree, and when you have a team that, like you said, there's a ton of turnover from the top down, and they've got picks to do something about it, that is a tough equation to survive the next five months. Yeah, you want to look at the uh, the quarterbacks with uh, going back in the last five years, so going back to 2019, Quarterbacks with 20 or more passing attempts and, and six or fewer completions. Cam Newton, Justin Fields, Sam Howell, and Brandon Allen. Not exactly the company that you want. You don't want to be on the Brandon Allen list. That's no. the other thing, yeah. I remember no. there was a point earlier this season where I, I think Sam Howell, like in the opening month, he was still, again, vibrantly productive. He's a top 12 fantasy option, I believe, at that point. And yet his pressure to sack was like 35 to 40%. Not good. It's a crazy number where you go, how is he? There was a discussion. I listened to Washington uh, beat writers and stuff, and it was like, how is this guy not going to get broken? And that's actually gotten better. Like his actual sacks and pressures have, have gotten better, and yet his performance has eroded and gone down. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's just, it's just a mess, and you're going to get a clean sweep. Uh, they're going to get a new quarterback in some capacity, uh, but this feels like the off season. And Sam Howell, that's the opposite, right? Brock Purdy did everything he needed to do early on. Sam Howell, and I, I embrace Washington for saying we're going to give you the shot because you know what, playoffs probably not going to happen with Jacoby Brissett anyway. They start Sam Howell pretty much the whole season and find out what you got. Mm-hmm. Get to the end of the road. You can cut. You can cut ties mentally, emotionally, and and move forward, saying that you gave him a fair shot for three plus months. And they did absolutely. that. Absolutely, absolutely. By the way, I went back to 2010 on that stat of 20 or more uh, pass <laughs> attempts and six or fewer completions. Uh, there was three other guys since 2010 that have done that: Marcus Mariota, Tim Tebow, and you want to guess the last one? Oh, Tim Tebow. Um, who completely stinks? I'm not sure. Peyton Manning. Wow. Peyton Denver, Manning. Denver version, right? Four picks. Yeah, he threw four picks, uh, completed five passes, 20 attempts uh, against Kansas Ooh. City in 2015. Ooh. Yeah. Was Hall that of Famer the, getting wrecked. Was that the season they won the Super Bowl? Probably. He was really bad, Jordan. He was a trailer. Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. He was a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That defense was historic. Nine touchdown passes, seventeen interceptions in that season. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. That's like throwing. That's like throwing it back forty years, right? To a, a simpler time. All right, uh, we have Justin Jefferson in the spotlight this week for did I get enough in dynasty rating? So we got some good avenues here and some key players coming back. So it's going to hopefully stress test what we think about stud receiver versus maybe stud receiver plus or uh, stud at another position. 
We have Justin Jefferson and Odell Beckham for Justin Herbert. Listen, in the startup draft, I'm taking the quarterback over the receiver. So I'm taking Herbert. Right. I mean, that's just I I, in a super flex startup draft, I I am going to have very few of Herbert, a very few of Jefferson, because when this situation is presented, I'm always going to click quarterback. Yeah. You think Jefferson, I was trying to stack and mentally up, you know, as I was discussing some quarterbacks, you know, in what ranges of a startup draft. Is Jefferson a pure fire, like round one guy in a super flex without two PPR for tight end or something? Without two PPR every... for tight end? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I mean, just Jefferson yeah. goes in the first every time. I'd imagine. 12. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Fantasy Kelk has him at four. Um, but again, I would take like, he, okay. they have him ahead of Lamar Jackson, ahead of. Um, he was Burrow, going what, like Stroud, six, Herbert. six to 11 last year. I don't know if that changes a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I would if just real big to quarterback in that, in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And yeah, Beckham doesn't count. And, and again, we've talked about fixing wide receiver and it's harder to fix quarterback profiles like Herbert, who's underrated going into the off season. Correct. Next one, we have Jefferson and a second next year for CJ Stroud and Jaden Reed. So this is, um, it, yeah, it's that Jaden Reed for the second is probably neutral. So again, you're going quarterback versus wide receiver. Um, again, it's a little bit less security at the quarterback position with Stroud, but I'm still I still can't go quarter, uh, wide receiver or quarterback in the first round of start of a startup draft. So um, it's interesting because Stroud's actually going ahead of Herbert in at fantasy calc. Stroud's at six, Herbert's at seven in terms of quarterbacks. But again, I, I would. Um, I, I think the, the only piece of advice that I'd have on this is like, have you shopped around, right? Cause if you shop to the Stroud person, like, did you go up the ladder? Like, did you try to put him in a, in a Mahomes deal? Right. Have you tried all other options? Um, assuming would that you, you have, I would, I would thing, take the, the quarterback side. The thing I would wonder is almost flipping this deal. If, if Stroud was found money and he was basically your QB three, or you got him in the rookie draft and. Uh, you already had two quality quarterbacks. Let's say like Dak is your QB two. Would uh, is this the type of deal you'd be looking to make to rebalance your team? If I yeah, if I let's assume for the sake of argument, I've got quarterbacks settled with like two top right, like six or seven guys, whatever. Like like let's assume uh, let's assume I've got Allen and Mahomes right. So I, I can't get any better in terms of how I look at quarterbacks. You know, and then Stroud's my three. Um, if it's not a tight end premium league, right, this is the type of trade that you make because then you look to what the what's the next premium position and it's elite wide receiver. Uh, we've talked about this. I think we might have talked about a premium show last week. Like we're going to get into kind of our super flex uh, you know, evolution of our teams where we do have these situations where we've got a really, really good third quarterback uh, and, you know, where we've got two elite guys and then we've got a really, really good third one. You know, kind of what do you do with that? And it'll be interesting to see kind of some of the team building moves that we do. Usually we we sacrifice receiver to get the quarterbacks. But now I think you can take the court, you know, that sort of developmental third guy and put him in a package to get a quarterback. Like, I do think that's an interesting thing. Like if it's this is that type of situation that that trade makes a little bit more sense. But I'm just kind of looking at it and like the. I'm assuming that then this deal Stroud's like a top two guy in your team. Yeah, but if it's not, and that's why I think it's important yeah. to go down, like if that's Stroud, if that's Anthony Richardson, if he pops off early next season, you're going to have optionality where you have to ask yourself, well, my other quarterback, or this is part of my top three quarterbacks, can I get better with the top two? Or is this the time to parlay that into a package that includes an elite durable wide receiver profile, if it's tight end premium, something like that? Because at some point, you know, 
you can find a discount. Like, let's say you found a discount buying Kyler Murray or you found, mm-hmm. you know, just whatever you're doing at quarterback, if it's beyond your top two, there is a lack of, other than as a profile and as an asset, you do want to parlay that into something else that helps your lineup eventually. You know, you Correct. do want to have an out plan of, or an out timing of if this, then this. And I assume if you had drafted CJ Stroud at 104, 105 in your rookie draft, that if this happens and you're like, well, I'm good at quarterback, you have to have an exit strategy of like, well, he, it's an early hit and I have a lot of flexibility. So I need to at least see what poke the bear and see what that is because yes. you can't just sit there with three, let's say t- top market value guys, like top six quarterbacks and say, I'm just going to hold them. Like that's the wrong answer. I mean, it's a, it's a luxury, but it's one that's going to be on your bench. And honestly, if you get the injury, I mean, you don't want to be like, ha ha, I'm right. Because one guy got, is out for the year and now I get to use CJ Stroud every week and I win. <laughs> like, right. Well, you also lost games because you didn't put that into your lineup. All right. Um, we've got uh, one final one here. It's within the wide receiver position. We've got Jefferson and Stefan Diggs for Jamar Chase, a 24 first and second. I'd be curious to know where the picks are. Right. I'd be curious to know where those picks are, but let's just assume this for the need to be Jordan. (laughs) Let's assume for the sake of argument, they're random for a second. Um, I I think I would take the pick side. I think I'd take the the chase side because um, I I think Diggs Diggs is either in a, is a, in a severe decline or he's hurt. Right. I think there's really only one of two things that's happening. I was going to ask you about that as someone that, I mean, you probably follow the uh, stride by stride analysis of, Stefan Diggs a little closer than I do as a Bills fan. And he just doesn't either A, doesn't look right, or B, the fall off. And they're just going a different direction. I know they've been running the ball a little bit more, but it's just, it's not so dominant. And the light hasn't come on very frequently over the last month or two. The so other it just, it option, yeah. The other, the other option, I, I left out a third option, which is that he had like an affair with Josh Allen's girlfriend, right? Because like, it appears one of those three things is happening. Either they're just completely not on the same page, that Diggs is hurt, or that he's just completely falling apart. And I, I don't know. It would shock me if he completely fell apart because he looked really, really good to begin the season. Like it's not, you know, right. this isn't like it's been a season long thing. It's been a phase. So um, I, I don't. I would love to be the fly on the wall to know more about that situation. I, I just I don't have all I can do is speculate. Um, you know, so I, I kind of come back and I look at that and I say, well, all right, like, is Diggs really pulling like a first right now? And if I'm kind of going in the off season, I want to, I want to rebuild my team. Is Diggs a guy that, you know, is he, you know, can you replace him with a guy like Amari Cooper at a substantially cheaper price? Can you, um, you know, replace him? Um, if he's going to be sort of more on that trajectory, I think he's much more, um, uh, you know, uh, replaceable in, in your lineup. And then you say, okay, well, I can move from Jefferson to Chase. I have Jefferson above Chase. I think that's, I clearly have Jefferson above Chase, um, but I'm getting a first and a second and I'm getting the flexibility to retool my team. And, you know, if I'm not setting lineups right now, like those, that first and second is more that flexibility that those picks are going to give me. Um, I can get back to something that looks like digs by the time August rolls around. Yeah, I think the picks, getting a, two picks, if you view Jefferson and Chase in the same conversation and there's not a big kicker on either side, getting a first plus or even a first for the Stefan Diggs profile is a warranted exit point. Like this is the time where, again, I actually kind of assuming that this is a contender for not contender deal now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. of it. Cause this happened, you know, let's look at the timing of this deal. And we only pick ones that have occurred th- this past week. And that means, you know, obviously chase is out. 
that would be someone and, and the pick would be someone to acquire if you fell out of it. Diggs offers you a, a player for your lineup, Jefferson as well. So um, again, probably going to be on the a playoff first and second, but I still say at this point in their career, it is tough. And this is probably the last time. I don't know if Stefan Diggs hauls a first in season next year. That is definitely not a given. We know it turns into pretty roster syndrome in the off season, pretty bikini season. And Diggs is going to be 30 and a half years old for kickoff next year. And, you know, this is probably it. Like you said, that first, Hey, you can use that for any number of players, old or young, uh, super flex, obviously it can grease a number of deals, but I mean, a first alone, you can probably use to wait, 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 and say, what's the optimal play if I want to spend that on a wide receiver next October? You know, and so I'll get a player that is known to be healthy. Diggs, if they make the playoff, he's playing extra games. Uh, there's a possibility that he gets hurt. There's a possibility of he's disgruntled or something happens or just he's not with Josh Allen anymore. They draft over first round wide receiver. I mean, there's so many avenues that make things look different and you kind of insulate yourself from all of that. So all those factors, I think it's pretty easy. If it was just, you know, uh, Jamar Chase in a second, I mean, I think you stay with Diggs pretty easily. So that first really is the linchpin. Yes. All right. Uh, from Life and Dynasty, uh, I got a good one uh, where, you know, we, we we look at late in the season and I think it's pretty easy to kind of just project to next year and be like, oh, you know, I lost in the semifinals. I'll be back. This is like the NFL mentality, right? Uh, deep playoff run, you had a ball bounce the wrong way. Heck, the 49ers, right? What if we don't get the uh, onslaught of quarterback injuries? That's a different game. It's a different season. We'll just get back. We'll see if they get back. We'll see if they get back to having that moment to go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, whatever their fate or future would have been last year. And I've had the situation to in, in my travels to go to repeat places. And I think it's a dangerous thing. And if you want to transpose this in your own life to, hey, remember that great, you know, week long vacation where we went to place X. Remember that time I went to so-and-so's house and we spent the Thanksgiving weekend and it was just unbelievably awesome. You build these things. First of all, in your head, they could have been awesome. It could have been a great uh, moment in your memory of that was really great. Or you build it up in your head. Remember, you know, that one great summer in college. But here's the thing, trying to re replicate those things is near impossible. You just, and, and I've had multiple situations where I've tried to recreate, where I was like, it was magical here when I did XYZ with XYZ people. And I literally had in 2023, a situation where I tried to replicate that. Did There were so many twists and turns to try to execute it. And then the actual result was a fraction of what I was expecting. People change situations change, timing changes. And I think the expecting things to be the same the next go around applies to your dynasty teams in that don't think that you can win the league this year or get to the title game, you narrowly lose whatever your outcome and say, I'm just rolling it back. I don't think you hear Jordan and I talk very much about just letting our teams fly in the wind from now until week one, things will be fine. We've talked before about how you need other teams in your league. You need trade partners because they have players and they have outcomes that you want to trade players away to and players you want to trade for, and they're on other teams. And if there were no trading in Dynasty, man, that would be A, tough for every team, but B, it wouldn't be any fun because we all have divergent values. So 
whether you're good teams, you're bad teams, oh, next year will be better. That is a dangerous phrase in life or in dynasty where you have to do something to actually execute that strategy. And don't just try to photocopy this season and say, oh, well, I won last year, I'll win again. Uh, things change. You're going to get different injuries, poor play, unexpected play, hopefully, from a few players that you didn't have this year. So just keep all that in mind if you're trying to replicate something in life or in dynasty teams with a future outcome because you had a previous outcome. Never settle, right? Got to earn it. To, to borrow a phrase, never settle. Uh, and yeah, I don't I don't think that you should, um, you should think that things are going to stay the same because if there's one thing we've learned that things change a lot and they're going to change from now until, until Sunday, they're going to change from that Sunday until the draft, they're going to change a lot from the draft to training camp, training camp to regular season. And then weeks, one, you know, one, it, each week it changes. Right. And so the things that we believe now, you believe them from a strategic perspective, but you don't necessarily believe them from a, you know, a tactical perspective, right. You, the, ta you know, the, the specific tactics of how you get to those different places has to change. You have to constantly be improving. That's so, and, and what's the funny thing is the dynasty trade market, most of the year is trailing data. So whatever you see happened, especially in season, like you try to incorporate what is current. And by the time there's more games played, good luck catching up to that. That changes everything. The offers that got declined would might get auto accepted the next Tuesday. So it is a fine line. And again, team building season here in the off season, prepping for week one, just again, never settle because your good teams, they can get better and they're going to get worse in ways that you aren't even expecting. You know, did you expect, you know, two months ago that you'd be without TJ Hawkinson in your most important game this year? Probably not, but you got to adapt or die. And, you know, some of your teams might die because you have to have a plan. And that's why I'm just thinking of these TJ Hawkinson teams and like two PPR for tight end. And if you're going down, so like Josh Oliver or Johnny Munt or whoever's on your bench, you're taking a shot on a, a you know, a, a Colts tight end. That could be the difference. That could be the difference, and it stinks, but that's what we talk. You know, eventually you want to get to double double lineup theory. You don't want to get to having a backup plan for your backup, and uh, that's when you truly are a dominant team. And very rarely do teams get there, but that's where you can absorb almost any injury at any time, and you keep chugging along, and you can still beat almost every team in your league. That's that's the ultimate phrase, and ultimate team building of dynasty. All right, uh, we got the premium side of Dynasty Think Tank this week. Patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank. We've already recorded one of the shows uh, this week, which is, uh, for us, a pretty short-form show. Uh, but you get to hear Jordan espouse about a little bit of uh, uh, betting. And actually, so there's some really good points in there. I, I shouldn't have said actually. <laughs> but uh, Jordan starts <laughs> talking about some of his uh, finding the meaty middle. Uh, also talked about some of our uh, YOLO quarterback strategy uh, for some of those juice bets. We also talked about... Uh, upside wide receivers. There's some dynasty nuggets in there in the second half of the show. Um, so we're also, uh, as a format change, we're going to have a little bit different. Uh, we're going to have, we've usually just had one giant long form bonus show or two. 
in the week, but we're going to be a little more specific uh, in the off season, especially we're going to have specific players, uh, little micro topics, and we're going to segment them a little bit more. So you can be seeing maybe more shows, but about the same total time of listening, but you're going to be able to choose your own adventure for what you want to listen to, as opposed to, oh, minute 17 of that show was really awesome. Uh, and you never saw it coming. <laughs> so you'll probably see the topics coming a lot more. Uh, so look forward to that over on the bonus and premium channel over at Dynasty Think Tank. All right, so that'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL and at McDamara Dynasty. We have our own Dynasty content streams at analyticsofdynasty.com and uthdynasty.com. As always, unlock your ceiling and seek elite results. Thank <laughs> you.